Amen. God's word to us this morning begins in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, verse 45. Hear the word of the Lord. Who then is the faithful and sensible slave who his master put in charge of his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that slave whom his master finds so doing when he comes. Truly I say to you that excuse me, truly I say to you that he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But if that evil slave says in his heart, My master is not coming for a long time, and shall begin to beat his fellow slaves and eat and drink with drunkards, the master of that slave will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at a, and at an hour when he does not know. And shall cut him in pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites. Weeping shall be there and the gnashing of teeth. We'll turn now to Second Chronicles chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. Now the Spirit of God came on Azariah the son of Oded. And he went out to meet Asa and said to him, Listen to me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. Yahweh is with you when you are with him, and if you seek him, he will let you find him, but if you forsake him, he will forsake you. And for many days Israel was without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law, but in their distress they turned to Yahweh God of Israel, and they sought him, and he let them find him. And in those times there was no peace to him who went out or to him who came in, for many disturbances afflicted all the inhabitants of the lands." A nation was crushed by nation and city by city, for God troubled them with every kind of distress. But you, be strong and do not lose courage, for there is reward for your work. Now when Asa heard these words and the prophecy which Azariah the son of Oded the prophet spoke, he took courage and removed the abominable idols from all the land of Judah and Benjamin and from the cities which he had captured in the hill country of Ephraim. He then restored the altar of Yahweh, which is in front of the porch of Yahweh. And he gathered all Judah and Benjamin and those from Ephraim, Manasseh, and Simeon, who resided with them, for many defected to him from Israel when they saw that Yahweh, his God, was with him. So they assembled at Jerusalem in the third month of the fifteenth year of Asa's reign. And they sacrificed to Yahweh that day seven hundred oxen and seven thousand sheep from the spoil they had they had brought. And they entered into the covenant to seek Yahweh God of their fathers with all their heart and soul. And whoever would not seek Yahweh God of Israel should be put to death, whether small or great, man or woman. Moreover, they made an oath to Yahweh with a loud voice, with shouting, with trumpets, and with horns. And all Judah rejoiced concerning the oath, for they had sworn with their whole heart and had sought him earnestly, and he let them find him. So Yahweh gave them rest on every side. And he also removed Mekah, the mother of King Asa, from the position of queen mother, because she had made a horrid image as an Asherah, and Asa cut down her horrid image, crushed it, and burned it at the brook Kidron. But the high places were not removed from Israel. Nevertheless, Asa's heart was blameless all his days. And he brought into the house of God the dedicated things of his father and his own dedicated things, silver and gold and utensils. And there was no more war until the 35th year of Asa's reign. 
Please turn now to the back of your bulletin. We'll read together as a congregation Psalm 2. Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage, and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with the rod of iron, and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way. For his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Before I pray, let me just say that on February 25th, we will meet here at 7 o'clock, those who can come, and we will learn two or three new hymns. And then afterwards, those who want to be in the book club, we will meet and the rest will leave, I suppose. And we will go from seven, not the book club, the whole thing from seven to 8.30, February 25th. The book we're going to look at is uh, The Difficult Doctrine of the Love of God. And I have some, if you want one, please let me know. Let's bow in prayer. Lord, we now enter your throne room, having been forgiven, having been cleansed from our sin through the blood of Christ. And now we come to hold fast to the confession, the one word. We thank you for the book of Chronicles. We thank you for the history of the kings. We thank you that as we look, we don't find them to be what we would want them to be. And yet, as we learned last week from James, we need to be merciful people. Otherwise, in the judgment, we will be shown no mercy. And we see in Chronicles, like with Asa, the mercy you had on him. We want to be people who have a Solomon heart, a heart that's at peace with you, that is completely devoted to you. And we cannot construct that ourselves, Lord. We're helpless there. And so like Asa, as we come to look into your word, to hear from you, we call upon you for help. Bless us. In Christ's name, amen. 
When I was 14, my dad was 42, he had a stroke, which left him a little bit helpless on the left side of his body. Four years later, on uh, Grace Nelson's 18th birthday, he died. He uh, and we kids went with him. He went to a church that taught that if you visit doctors, you lack faith in Christ. And in the 39th year of his reign, Asa became diseased in his feet. His disease was ma'al, yet even in his disease, he did not seek Yahweh, but the physicians. Now clearly, when you put the whole Bible together, it's not the case that you shouldn't go to doctors. It is the case that one seek the Lord and realize that the Lord, he can operate by speaking a word and healing us, or he can operate through means by using doctors to help us get well. But behind it all is the Lord. Asa was a man who had a heart a Solomon heart, a heart completely devoted to God, yet when you read the story, you discover he's got some big blights. And he is a, uh, mm, he, he, he's not faithful in certain instances. In fact, he is quite unfaithful. Yet the picture is rather favorable. That reminds us, you see, that God has more mercy and compassion than we do. We tend to be very hard on people. If they're gone astray, not living right, we make a statement, well, I don't even see how they could be a Christian. Yet David had a man killed because he'd slept with his wife and she'd become pregnant. I don't see how he could be a Christian. Yet all the kings are compared to David who had a heart for God. So as we exist in the flesh, we do have our problems, we have our weaknesses, and even though we know some of them, we don't know all of them, and even though we want them to go away, well, we may improve, we will grow in holiness because God's at work in us, but the possibility exists that some of us may die like Asa. He had a severe disease. The word severe 
is a word that is the word for up. So it's a high disease. And uh, that word is sounding like it has the same radicals in Hebrew as the word for unfaithfulness. And so there's kind of a pun there. His disease was severe, and because he wouldn't trust in the Lord, but he sought physicians, his disease was one that made him unfaithful. He had a disease in the feet. Feet, in certain instances in the Old Testament, are a euphemism for genitalia. So probably we're to discover that Asa had a disease in his reproductive organs that was severe. And why would feet be a euphemism for that? Because with your feet, one walks before the Lord or walks away from the Lord. And in siring progeny, we produce people like us. And we're going to discover, oh my goodness, Jehoshaphat was a lot like Asa. He made the same kind of mistake at the end of his life. We want hearts that are fully devoted. We don't want to be a Robbie Zacharias where we're in life looked at as some premier theologian and apologist, but in death we discover, oh, not faithful. There's a, just a simple way to look at Ace's life and the point. The point's very simple. God is with those who are with him. We're going to see that in James chapter 4 when Caleb gets there. If you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. It's like a husband and wife. After all, Israel and Judah, they were God's people. But it's like a husband and wife who are married and they can either be with each other or not really with each other. They may have different worldviews different philosophies about things. So, you know, they don't really click like this. God says, if you're with me, I'll be with you. And of course that makes sense because God never changes. He's the same today, yesterday, and forever. And he's always holy and always pure and always faithful and always lives by his covenants that he makes. And the question is, are we with him? You see, the question isn't simply, have you trusted Christ so you know you're going to heaven? No, the question is, are you with him? And the word in Chronicles, and we're going to see it over and over again, but here particularly with Asa, is do we 
seek the Lord. Well, we'll see how far we get. Turn, if you would, to 2 Chronicles chapter 14, where we're told in the first verse that uh, Abijah died, and now Asa, his son, has taken his place as king, and there was peace, rest, for the first 10 years of Asa's reign. Then notice verse 2, where we start to hear about Asa. And Asa did good and right in the sight of Yahweh his God. For he removed the foreign altars and the high places. He tore down the, he tore down the sacrificial pillars and he cut down the ashram and commanded Judah to seek Yahweh God, Yahweh God of their fathers, and to observe the Torah and the commandment. What does it mean to seek Yahweh? Well, you can look up in the sky looking for him, but you're not going to see him. No. There's only one way to know God, and this is what Asa says. He says, seek Yahweh, the God of your fathers, and, or, we might want to translate that even, this is how you seek. You do the Torah and the commandment. So when we think of the word law, we usually think of just commandments, do this or don't do that. But the word is Torah, and the word Torah means instruction. And instruction, the Torah, is usually considered, not always, sometimes the Torah is uh, the whole Old Testament, but usually it's considered the books of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And in Deuteronomy and Leviticus and in Exodus, you get, you get a lot of commandments, but you, not in Genesis, it's story. Exodus has a lot of story. Numbers has a lot of story, but it's instructive story. And Chronicles is a story, a record of the kings, and it's instructive story. And so this is what Asa says to his people. Seek Yahweh. Search him out, like you're searching for a hidden treasure. And of course, we see in Job 28, people who mine for precious jewels and for gold, they work hard at it. You know, it's not like you can just easy breezy say, Jesus, be my friend, and he's going to come and walk beside you. No, you have to seek him. You want to know him. You know, kind of like when you first met that gal or that guy and you got a little interested. It's not, you know, you didn't just step back and, and wait for him or her to come to you. You pushed after, right? Yeah. And the way we seek is by 
getting instruction from his word and keeping commandment. If we're keeping commandment, we're with him. If we're not keeping commandment, we're not with him. If we're leaning on him, trusting him, we're with him. If we're trusting in something else, we're not with him. This is the problem of the church today. We're not with him. We're trusting in something else. We've gone our own way. And we look at the life of Asa, and God caused trouble because people weren't with him. And he wakes people up by bringing about distress and trouble. So they ask the question, why, why, why? That's part of Asa's story. We have to walk away with a new sense of repentance. A new sense of, I want to find the Lord. It's not make America great again. That's not the message. The message is seek Yahweh. It's not in a democratic system. That's not the message. The message is Yahweh. Seek him. Be instructed. There are Christians all around the world that don't live in countries as good as ours, but they're better Christians. Why? Because they know they can't trust in man. They can't trust in a political system. They can't trust in the Republican Party. They can't trust in the Democratic Party. They have to trust, lean on Yahweh. And if the church would come back and seek the Lord and lean on Yahweh, you might see a change in our land. But until we lean on Yahweh, we will not see change. Oh, no, we'll see change. It'll just get worse. But if we want to see real change, the issue is not talking to all the unbelievers out there about what all they're doing wrong and what they need to do and listen to us. No, the issue is, are we seeking Yahweh? Now, there are four sections in, this, uh, in these three chapters, and all the sections have to do with peace. And peace is rest. It's sometimes translated rest, sometimes translated peace. And it's from the stem in Hebrew that is the name Solomon, Shalom, peace. All the chapters are about peace. First chapter is about the establishment of peace. God gives them peace. That's in verses 1 through 7 of chapter 14. The second section is in verses 8 and following, and it is the defense of peace. When an enemy comes, you defend peace. And then the third section is chapter 15, which Hyde read for us, and that is the strengthening of peace as Asa took certain measures after listening from a prophet whose name, name meant Yahweh is your helper. And then the last section, which is chapter 16, is the forfeiture of peace. You forfeit it. Why? Because you didn't seek the Lord. We've forfeited it in this country because we have not been. I'm talking about the church broadly now. I'm not talking about you as an individual. We have not 
sought the Lord. How do you seek the Lord? You take instruction from the Torah and you do His commandments. How many commandments can you list with your Bible closed out of the New Testament? And once you start listing them, how many of them are you keeping? I'm with you, God says, when you're with me. All right, so we can do this quickly, and because my fingers aren't working very well, we're going to have Caleb read, and he's going to read for us verses 1 through 8, 7 of chapter 14. Okay. One through seven is what it's supposed to be. Yep. Okay, so the first 10 years of Asa's reign, the people sought Yahweh, and God gave them rest. In Hebrew, that's just one word. He rested them. They're at peace, undisturbed, no trouble. A picture of seeking the Lord is what Asa, because he had the authority to do it, did. Remember, when they came into the land, God said, I'm going to put my name here on this one place in Jerusalem, and you're going to come there and you're going to worship me. And even though you've been worshiping at altars all around, once this one place is there, they must all be put away. And you cannot worship other gods. In this land, there will be one God, and you will worship there, and you'll be my people. And so... Asa comes to power, and Asa just begins to put away all these sacred pillars and these ashram, these things that people are worshiping from, and altars of incense where you burn incense and it goes up to God because it's a picture of prayer. All, all those kinds of things, he gets rid of them. And there's rest. And so what he does during the rest period is he begins to fortify cities. Remember, God operates through means. 
So it's not like you're going to just stand back and say, okay, I'm going to read my Bible and God's going to give me rest all around. No, you defend yourself. You get up your fortifications. That's what he did because now it was a time of peace and he could really fortify cities. But he notes to the people, we've got rest because we sought Yahweh. We sought him. It's tremendous, isn't it? And remember, God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. The message stays the same. Seek Yahweh. And what will he do? He will give you peace. Proverbs says, he even causes the enemies to be at peace with his people. For those who seek him. All right? So, you could see, rest was given in 10 years. But I'm, I might just add, there's, there's three periods designated. A 10-year period, then something happens at 15 years, then something happens at 35 years. And then, of course, he dies at 41 years. All right, now we're going to read verse 8 to the end of the chapter, which is a, a, about a war. Now Asa had an army Yahweh, we're at battle. We've come against these people in your name, Yahweh. Don't let them prevail against your name. We trust you. Only you can help. Trust means what? This is a specific word in Hebrew. It means to lean. We lean on you for help. There's no one else. By the way, in Asa's day, hardly anybody read. They didn't know how to read. So they didn't have a Bible to go home to. They knew their scriptures because they were taught by Levites and priests, and they sang songs to get it down in them, and they learned how to meditate. 
not to read their three chapters a day, get up and go, but to read their three chapters, well, bring it up in their head and just think about it. So they're out to battle. And over here you got a million people, and over here you got 580,000 people who's going to win. And these guys got chariots, and these guys got no chariots, they got spears. These guys can overwhelm. Who else can we call on Yahweh? We lean on you. And notice, God is so identified with them that if they lose, they've the forces have prevailed against God. That's exactly what Jesus says. Paul's going on the way to Damascus. This huge light comes out brighter than the sun, and he hears a voice. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul was persecuting Christians, not Jesus. No, the connection is just like this. Christians are defeated. If Christians are beaten, then Yahweh is defeated. That's why you can lean right there. That's the connection that we have if we're with Yahweh. He will answer. Maybe not the way we want, but he will answer. And they... God routed these people, and the armies pursued them, and they killed so many of them, you couldn't be counted, and they despoiled. They got all the goods, the plunder, and they got all the, all, 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 all the uh, cattle and camels. It was a tremendous, tremendous defeat of the Ethiopians, the Cushites. And it was because Yahweh routed them. What did they do? Well, Asa sought the Lord. There's nobody to help, Yahweh. We need your help. Flip over to chapter 15. And we'll have Caleb read 1 through 7. Now the Spirit of God came on Azariah, Okay, so Ace is told to be strong and don't lose courage. And losing courage means your hands just fall down. That's what the word actually means. It's picked up in Hebrews. When you see people who are walking along the way and they turn out of the way and their knees are weak and their hands hang down. So be strong and courageous. Why? Because here's Yahweh. He's 
He's with you if you're with Him. Azariah means Yahweh helps. Oded, Azariah's father, means restorer. You can see Azariah comes right after God has helped in battle. And now he comes to tell, uh, to tell uh, Asa to be strong, be courageous. God is going to help. He's with you. And then he tells about these people, Israel, that uh, were troubled. And there was no peace, no shalom. And kingdom was against kingdom, and city against city, and everybody who went out and came in, they were disturbed. But what did they do? Well, they sought Yahweh. Even though they had no law, they had no teaching priest, they didn't know the commandment, what they did is they asked Yahweh for help, and he answered them. Now, who's he talking about? Well, you have Judah, and Judah in Jerusalem has the temple. And there are priests there, and there are sacrifices there, and Yahweh lives there. But in the northern kingdom, there are golden calves, one at the south end, one at the north end. You have to go worship the golden calf. And, and the people are tortured, distressed, because the kings of the north don't want people coming back down to the south. They'll lose their kingdom. And rightfully, the kingdom all belongs to Jerusalem. It's God's kingdom. It's his people. And so what happens is finally, some of these people who are up in the north, they seek the Lord, and Yahweh answers. And what do they do? Well, in the end, they defect to Asa. And this is what it costs. They leave their homeland in the north, and they come down and live in Jew. This is what it costs. When one says, okay, yeah, my heart is fully dedicated to Yahweh. Oh, I'm going to have to leave my country to live that out. So, a message of encouragement to Asa. And Asa hears and understands and it, uh, it pushes him forward. When a prophet comes and says, hey, Yahweh has a message for you. All right, we'll read verses 8 to the end of the chapter.
Okay, so you see there's a progression here. In uh, chapter 14, in the first paragraph, we're talking about a 10-year peace, and then comes a war. And this war encompasses, uh, it's, it's set in a time period from the 10th year to this 15th year. Of course, it didn't take that long. But in that time period, there were all kinds of disturbances that went on. And, and uh, now, Asariah comes and gives a message to uh, Asa, and we're, we're looking at that message, and Asa takes courage. And so what's he do? Well, he gets rid of, uh, of more idols, not only in Judah, but in some of the places he's captured. And he restores the altar that's in front of the porch of the Lord. So the temple has a front porch where the, the pillars of Jokshan and, and Boaz stand. And in front of that porch stands the bronze altar. Now, we don't know what it means that it needs restoration. But during this five-year period, maybe Judah strayed a little. We're not, we're not told. But anyway, he restores this altar. Or maybe it needed to be made so much bigger because of all the sacrifices that he was going to do. That may have been the case too. We don't know. And he gathers all the people to Jerusalem. And then there they make a covenant before the Lord to seek the Lord. And if anyone will not seek the Lord, they will be put to death, whether small or great, man or woman. You want that kind of covenant? This is how serious they are. In other words, this land is God's land. He owns it. We owe him, us. We owe ourselves. So if somebody is not going to be a part, they're not going to seek, then we're going to put them to death. And they earnestly sought the Lord, which means they sought him with pleasure. The word earnestly means pleasure, and they rejoiced. And, and in making this covenant, they made an oath with it. So they made covenant, and then they swore by it. If I do not seek the Lord, may he do so to me. Something like that. And they swore by it with a loud voice and shouting and trumpets and horns. In other words, this is a huge announcement in the land. We are in covenant with Yahweh God to seek him. All of us. 
And if someone will not seek him, we will put that person to death. It doesn't matter if it's a man or a woman or somebody who's somebody or somebody who's nobody, small or great. And they find Yahweh. And he grants them rest. And everything wasn't perfect. But the high places, verse 17, were not removed from Israel. Now, we were told in chapter 14 the high places were removed. And so here's what I think it's talking about. Asa sits on the throne of Yahweh, and he's known as Yahweh's son. I'll be a father to him, he'll be a son to me. And Judah, Jerusalem, is where God's temple dwells. And Asa rightfully is over not only Judah, but the northern kingdom too. He's responsible. Just like men are heads of their house. They are responsible for everything that goes on in their house. They're responsible when their kids sin. They're responsible when their wife sins. They're responsible. And they're held accountable. That was Asa. So the high places in Israel, in the northern kingdom, were not removed, but that was Asa's responsibility. Not that he could fulfill it completely. And so... He, he, there, there, there's a fault there, but he had a heart that was completely devoted to the Lord. Sorry about that. Uh, verse 17 again. But the high places were not removed from Israel. Nevertheless, Asa's heart was blameless all his days. The word blameless is the word shalom. His heart was a Solomon heart. It was a heart at peace with God. That's what's blameless. You see, when, when we sin, just to bring it down to the bottom shelf, when we sin, we're not at peace with God at that moment. That's why we're doing something different. We're not at peace with him. We sin because we don't like what he wants from us or we think we can get what we want another way. He's not giving it to us. Now, all of that doesn't run through our head all at once, but that's what's happening. A peace heart is a heart that's just at peace with God. It's at rest. Jesus says it. Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, because I'm humble and lowly, and I'll give rest to your souls, because my burden is light and my yoke is easy. I'll give you rest. You'll have a rest heart with me. That's the kind of heart. Asa had. All right, turn to chapter 16. And we will have Caleb read verses 1 through.
through. Oh, let's just read the whole chapter. Let's just do it. In the 36th year of Asa's reign, Basha, king of Israel, came up against Judah and fortified Ramah in order to prevent anyone from going out or coming in to Asa, king of Judah. Then Asa brought out silver and gold from the treasuries of the house of Yahweh, the king's house, and sent them to Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, who lived in Damascus, saying, Let there be a treaty between you and me, as between my father and your father. Behold, I have sent you silver and gold. Go and break your treaty with Basha, king of Israel, so that you will withdraw. So Ben-Hadad listened to, to King Asa and sent the commanders of his armies against the cities of Israel, and they conquered Edom, Dan, Abelbam, and all the store cities of Nazareth. And it came about when Basha heard of it that he ceased fortifying Ramah and stopped his work. Then King Asa brought all Judah, and they carried away the stones of Ramah and its timber with which Basha had been building. And with them he fortified Geba and Mizpah. At that time, Hanani the seer came to Asa king of Judah and said to him, Because you have relied on the king of Aram and have not relied on Yahweh your God, therefore the army of the king of Aram has escaped out of your hand. Were not the Ethiopians and the Lubim and the men's army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on Yahweh, he delivered them into your hand. So the eyes of Yahweh moved to and fro throughout the earth, that he may strongly support those whose hearts are So Basha, king of Israel, is coming against Asa, king of Judah, and Basha's goal is to prevent people from moving between the two countries because the north is always worried about losing their people, the Yahweh. And so what does Asa do? Asa goes to the king of Aram, Syria, whose god is Baal. But Baal is just a generic word for Lord. But Ben Haddad is Haddad is the God. Ben Haddad is the son of Haddad. In other words, we have Asa, the son of Yahweh, versus, versus the, the king who's Ben Haddad, the son of his God whom we know as Baal. So you're pitting two gods against each other. And what Asa is doing is Asa decides he's going to lean on Baal when he'd already leaned on Yahweh and won this huge battle against an army twice his size. Yet for whatever reason, now he decides he's going to lean on Baal. 
and he takes from the treasures of Yahweh's house, seal, silver and gold, to buy a covenant with Ben-Hadad so that he'll break covenant with Basha, and then Basha will leave him alone. Well, what Asa wanted, that's exactly what happened. He sent up enough silver, and he stole from Yahweh, took it right out of his house, and he sent it to Ben-Hadad, and Ben-Hadad broke his treaty with Israel, and Asa got what he wanted. But then comes Hanani. Hanan in Hebrew means grace, favor. My favor, my grace. God is talking to him. I'm sending you my grace. You saw my grace. You saw my favor with the Ethiopians, the Cushites. You were with me, so I was with you. I showed you favor. And now you go off to my enemy, Hadad, a god of Syria, of Aram. Now you're going to have war. You, you would have become victorious over the Armenians, but now there's going to be war in all your days. And what does, what does Asa do? Remember, when David was confronted and he heard about his sin from Nathan the prophet, David immediately said, I have sinned. Asa says nothing like that. He becomes enraged at the seer, the one who sees into the future, and he throws him into prison like Jeremiah was thrown into prison. And he held him there. And at the same time, he began to crush the people under his reign. He was an angry man. Why? Well, because his heart wasn't with the Lord now. Because God confronted him, and God rebuked him, and Asa was not wise. Wise people receive rebuke, and they grow in wisdom, and they change. Foolish people refuse rebuke. They don't want wisdom. They're just fools. That's what Asa did. And so what did God do? God gave him a foot disease. We know it's from the Lord, and that's why it's so important that he seek the Lord, not the physician. Asa also knew it was from the Lord because of what he had done. He leaned on Baal instead of God, and God said, okay, if that's what you want to do, you're going to have trouble, and I'm going to disease your feet because you're acting like a king who's unfaithful. So you get this overall picture of Asa that's very good. And it's not to be destroyed here in the end, but it is to recognize, oh, man, Asa really messed up. But he still had a Solomon 
heart. We don't want to do what Asa did. We want to live faithfully. Seek Yahweh. Seeking Yahweh means what? Seeking Yahweh means taking instruction from the Torah or for us just expanded out from God's word and keeping commandment. Those are the people who are seeking after Yahweh. And when we're with him, he's with us. At the end of Asa's life, he wasn't with God, even though the overall picture is positive. He had a heart that was blameless, a peace heart. Now, I don't know if he repented before he died. That, that, that's not part of the story. It doesn't really matter. But what we're seeing is the Achilles heels of the Davidic kingship. This happens time after time. We're going to see good kings who make a fatal mistake. To put it in Christian terms, it doesn't mean they're in hell. It means they weren't faithful at the end. Some of them were unfaithful all the time. But there are people like Jehoshaphat, who was a faithful man, but he does something stupid too, just like his father Asa did. Let's stand. Father, we know the weakness that we have. We know that we're prone to wander, stray from the God we love. We know that we're not different than Asa, and we could, we could and maybe have made huge mistakes. We want to be people who are seekers of yours. We want to be people who know your word. We'll never know it like a scholar theologian, but we can know it well enough to know that you are beautiful and awesome and reliable and you keep covenant and you're with those who are with you. We want to be with you. So help McKinney Bible Church to be with you. And then as we see our troubled times, Father, we pray that the church would turn back to seek your face and to be instructed from your Torah and to keep commandment so that there can be peace, shalom, rest. This we pray in Christ's name. Amen.